0: I'm Ian Dark, and you're listening to Men in Blazers Suboptimal Radio on the Grandland Network.
1: Oh, it's incredible! You could not write a script like this.
0: From the Embassy Row Studios in the Crap part of Soho, we're back from Texas, Rod. Oh, we're back, Thank S- S- you, yeah, it's the Men in Blazers podcast. And you've got a little gift-wrapped feral donkey on your desk, David. You oh, a dinky, a feral dinky, as I accidentally tweeted. I, I love a feral donkey. I know, I love Texas, David. Yeah. It. I love it. What a weekend. I, you would imagine that there may actually be feral donkeys in Texas. They've got everything there. They've got everything. Everything. i got to say, it is one part of America
2: that truly fascinates me. Yeah. That obstinate self-confidence, that history, that mm-hmm. law. Also, the lingering connection to Dallas that doesn't hurt, does it? Yeah, we love that TV how show. How big was that? I mean, Americans don't really understand how much that shaped Europe's understanding <laughs> of America. It really did. You can tell a lot about... A man, by yeah. who he related to most in Dallas. Yeah. I was always kind of a Patrick Duffy fan. Of
0: course, everybody was. That was you, the easy one. I'm not like Larry Hagman. You were in the face. You were more of a Charlene Tilton. No, J.R. Ewing, Pammy. all the way. You Loved, were, him. Loved him. Loved him. But Austin, what
2: yeah. a place. We love it. it was we ate barbecue together. We had barbecue salt downtown.
0: downtown. Salt Lake. Well, no, and then Salt Lake oh. delivered in. Oh, my. That stuff. I mean, I'm not sure I've ever eaten barbecue in my life until I've had Salt Lake. I went out there. Yeah. Very friendly. Never people. been out there. <laughs> How do they feel about the Jews? They, it's very good barbecue. Okay. The Gurren Brothers. <laughs> Gurren Brothers, the hat shop. I love it all. Yeah, well, yeah, but you found out that they have a Gurren Brothers hat shop in New York. Did. Even though you traveled all the way to Texas, <laughs> partly to interview Jürgen Klinsmann, but also to go to Gurren <laughs> Brothers, and they've got one in New York. They've got three
2: in New York. Turns <laughs> out. <laughs> but I like that one. i okay. an amazing hat. I've got nice feathers yep. for my other hat. I bought this. You did little it's pocket p- square. It's a bit, it's a bit cow- cowboy. Yeah, but for us to meet so many GFOPs. Yeah, and to hear your
0: philosophy on beards, David. That's what I love what was most. My philosophy it. on beards. Oh yeah, yeah. The more, yeah. Well, I don't want to insult bearded GFOPs. And if if you are a GFOP with a beard, this does not apply to you. You're one of the good ones. Well, it does not apply to you because you obviously have incredibly. Uh, Bizarre taste in football podcasts. Hence you're listening. <laughs> hence you're listening to us. But on the whole, I believe the more intricate, the more exaggerated, the more kempt I would say your beard is. The more interesting your beard. The less interesting a person you're likely to be there's a there's a inverse relationship it's, it's a uh, yeah it's an inverted parallax
2: yeah it is an inverted parallax it is one yeah. of many we're going to discuss that but i thought about that on the plane home because we were walking around austin together yeah and we saw a lot of fascinatingly well manicured beards oh, so many manicured beards. and then you dropped that knowledge and it kind of blew me away yeah but then on the plane home i fell asleep that drowsy state
0: yeah
2: and tim howard appeared well with there's the- his al-qaeda beard Andrea Pirlo with his 1950s Paris left bank beard just flashed. Well, and you, you had of Sandro course with his Caldaro. Oh,
0: and of course, you know Alexi with his uh, with his you know sheriff of Nottingham era beard in the 1994 oh. World Cup. I mean, there are a lot of good beards you know around. I would say there are exceptions to it. If you play football, it's an exception. If you were an early adopter, if you were one of the early adopters of the beard when it was an act of rebellion like you're talking about king henry the no a little later than that yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but if you are an attendee at south by southwest you have a low level digital job and uh and you, you enjoy looking walking around and, seeing the brand activations and, and, and you enjoy artisanal coffee the chances are that your beard is more interesting than you are <sighs> okay if we're right just drop us a little line yeah uh, but what a time i mean
2: you Watch What Happens Live. <laughs> Jimmy Kimmel meet
0: Andy Kerrin. Yeah, hey, we right? had Jimmy, two worlds collide. Jimmy Kimmel um, uh, came on Watch What Happens Live. Excellent. excellent. To,
2: me, to me, that
0: was like our generation's Frost Nixon. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't quite that good. Tell us, what was the big takeaway? Um, two giants collide. I don't know what the big takeaway was. I think the big takeaway... Uh, Really, what I was amazed at is, you know, in late night, I think we're living in this slightly golden age of broadcasters, Rog. And I think we're going through this generational shift. And I think watching what Jimmy Kimmel and Jimmy Fallon are saying, Jimmy said something very interesting that him and Fallon are now pushing each other harder to go and be more creative, to go and be more brilliant in late night. And I think that's great. It's great for the genre. I love late night talk television. Just
2: like the Frankie Sit Lampard and, and of Stephen Gerrard are
0: broadcasting. Yeah, and GFOP Seth Myers is in there as well. We've got a lot of love for the beautiful game going on. And so- it's just so true. Yeah. This football. We, we should try and get Jimmy Fo- Kimmel on during the World Cup. He like the World Cup. Football's like the Masons. It's just
2: a yeah. secret kinship that gets you
0: places. He also told me his sister in law is going to Brazil for the World Cup. We've got to try and hook her up some. Rest.
2: We'll have to give her our. Um, we're working very hard on Travellers Portuguese and Men in Blazers Guide. We'll have <laughs> yes. to
0: supply it with it. Yeah, I don't know that she'll need a lot of our Travellers Portuguese. Um, anyway, Rog, pack show coming up. Uh, we've got to sully ourselves by feigning excitement over the FA Cup. We've got, we got to discuss... Your whole season is over, Rog. We've got to discuss all the latest Premier League, uh, tittle-tattle, covet your Ravens, welcome nerdfighter John Green back to the pod, and launch a nationwide contest to find a tune worthy of being the US World Cup. And wow. we've got amazing prizes today. What do we points can, mean, Rog? Uh, prizes? I mean, prizes, uh, ranging from the world's only Xbox One, with the Men in Blazers crest customised upon it, Thank you, EA Sports. Two, the most limited edition T-shirt of all time. There are literally... Five of them. Five of them. Uh, they're crafted by our friends at Bumpy Pitch. Oh, they're beautiful. And we're going to give away two of them, right? We're going to give away... We, You have one.
2: Yeah. I have one. Yeah. Bumpy two. Pitch kept one. Yeah. And there's two Men in Blazers Bumpy Pitch T-shirts that we'll go to. So wait a minute. Pitch. Let me go over that math again.
0: So you and I each have one. That's two. I'm, try- I'm going to try and sell you mine though. Bumpy Pitch have one, which is three. <laughs> And we're giving away two. That's yeah. five. Wow. Very exceptional elemental yeah. math. Um, OK, Rog, we are between 29-38s and 26-38s of the way through the season, depending on uh, depending on w- which end of the table you're looking at. Uh, Mourinho's Premier League table, which he's at the bottom, oh, clearly, because you mistake. do not want to be on top Don't nine points ahead. Um, or Man City, who are really top, having played 26-38s of their season. Uh, but this weekend's football, mainly, mainly, Rog, uh, well, it was sort of that sort of half-man, half-beast. Um, it was the FA Cup split FA Cup Premier League weekend. Yep, but let's pretend we care about the FA Cup, David. Yeah, well, yeah. here we go. FA first Cup's for losers. Well, Man City won. Wigan 2. Rog, this is a team that are built, that are built for the FA Cup for the second consecutive year. European superpower, Wigan Athletic, <laughs> humiliate, uh, plucky little Man City <laughs> in the FA Cup. Did we say quadruple? We meant trouble double single ooh not
2: in the face manchester city yeah. really really tiny little man city humiliated
0: by big bad oil powered wigan athletic Ma- so many max Rog, so many max and mucks it seems that if you if you have a squad full of Max and mucks, you stand a very, very good chance of doing well in the well, FA Cup. I think, I think that's they, they're almost sod
2: tactics. Yeah, they play three at the back, but they won this one by fielding Chris McCann, Callum McManaman, James MacArthur, Josh McCretchen
0: Mickey James, Chris, James yeah. Yeah.
2: McLean came on as a sub. We, could, uh, we can't verify this before going to pod, but rumours are swirling that uh, we're going to try to sign Ed McMahon, Michael McDonald, Andy McDowell, <laughs> Mclemore, Andrew McCarthy, and Matthew McGonaghy in 10 years' time before the semi-final. Staggeringly, none of them are actually cup-tied, David. Yeah. But a month ago, I interviewed Vincent Company and he told me that the pursuit of the quadruple could only be undone by one thing and one thing only. Wigan. <laughs> Complacency, was what he said. Complacency, wow. David. Wise words, as it turns out, because City, they're clearly, to me, David, they're not reading enough George Santayana. When experience is not retained, as among savages, infancy is perpetual, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. Wigan are the
0: defending champions after all, David. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, since they lost that league game to Chelsea, their form has been pretty terrible. One, two, three, four, five, six. In the last seven games, they've lost three of them, drawn one, won three. They're having a sort of a mid tabley y season uh, since that loss to Chelsea. Until then, it was just ticking along very, very nicely, Rog. Yeah, it was. I mean, but before we get to City,
2: if we're talking about City, we're really taking away from the magnitude of it all for Wigan Athletic. I mean, this is the richest team in football, Manchester City. They're built to be ruthless dream crushers, and they were tipped over at home where they've eviscerated Premier League teams for fun. By, well, I mean, what a Wigan. They're a tiny championship side fueled by pies. I'm mostly happy. It was a beautiful thing to watch for Wigan's manager, Yuri Rossler, City's executioner. What a poetically beautiful day he had. He was an East German who came to City in the 90s. Do you remember him, David? Yeah, absolutely. City, very well. Very different City. They were relegated twice then, and he loved the club so much. He's, mean, he's a hero. Hero. Yeah, he loved them. He named his kids after City legends, Colin Bell, Tony Book. His home is littered with City memorabilia, um, and a lot of the City supporters actually turned up wearing his throwback jersey, Rosler, number 28. So, uh, I mean, magic, three at the back, confident, pushing forward, and Wigan's best player, Martin D. McKellis. <laughs> I mean, increasingly, it seems his name is Spanish for I am the
0: weakest link. How many games can one man lose for you in a season, David? Yeah, it's interesting. Wigan also, you know, we're having a very... We don't talk about the championship a lot, Rog, but it's a really a vintage season in the championship. So many good teams. Leicester, Burnley, Derby, QPR, Forest, Reading, Brighton and Hove Albion. Wigan, sitting in eighth right now, got some games in hand. but They're not even a surefire you know, look unlikely to get one of the automatic promotion places. They're probably going to go into the playoffs. And a team this good, second year in a row to do this, to, to win the FA Cup last year, to get all the way uh, to the semis this year. And, uh, you know, they've got a pretty, pretty good draw against Arsenal. <laughs> No, they, Arsenal fans rejoicing. But I've got to tell you, Arsenal fans do not get complacent about Wigan. This is going to be a very, very difficult team to beat in the FA Return Cup. of the
2: Mac. Return of the Mac. That game will be at Wembley. But Di Michalis, Dave, I've got to ask you about him. I'm beginning to think his body is not actually made of skin. It's just mm-hmm. 100% Achilles' heel. <laughs> you, you, you know what You know what we say in these situations? We always say, what kind of photos does McKellis have of Pellegrini? And I was trying to think about that. Why is he still playing him? And what kind of photos would Pellegrini not want out there of him? And the only conclusion I can have is there'd be ones of him smiling. I think Pe- I think Mikel has got photos of Pellegrini that actually shows him having a nice time. Pellegrini doesn't want that out there. He wants to remain absolutely morose. He was wearing a hoodie throughout this game
0: that made Bill Belichick appear debonair. I would say on the bright side, you know, Man City, this is... Another distraction away from what they're really trying to win this year is they're trying to win the Premier League. Um, I think the Champions League is going to look a step too far. They've already got the Capital One Cup, 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 Cup under their belt. And they want to win the Premier League. And they've got a lot of games. We've
2: we've already got a crap cup. They've uh,
0: They've got several more games to play in the Premier League than anybody else. They almost didn't need the FA Cup. It looks like they'll be bounced out later today unless they have a remarkable comeback. Uh, against Barcelona, Bucks out of the Champions League, and they'll be able to focus on the Premier League for the rest of the season. You know, Pellegrini tried to pass this one off as a speed bump, David. He said, we've won
2: one trophy. We have a lot of things to fight for until the end of the season. We have to win in Barcelona and then try to go top of the table with our three games in hand, which we will talk about. Mm -hmm. But is there something fundamentally wrong about City? It does feel like there is to me, David. Because for all of their striking riches, Kun Negrado, the Nasri, Yaya Toure, if you're playing with Lescott, Clichy, and Achilles' heel de McKellis at the back, you're building a palace on quicksand. And, and the thing that's fascinating, is the opposite of Chelsea's approach. Mourinho may play an 87-year-old up front, or a nervous Nelly, but he's got Cahill, he's got JT... And you know the team are always going to be in the game. To me, City are like the Yankees in the early aughts or the Rangers in the late 90s.
0: They've built a team around hitting. And you know, at the end of the day, pitching wins your championships. Every team, though, Rog, every contending team has a phenomenal weakness. And every team has had a little patch when they've gone through, you know, a blue period when it hasn't really worked out. Same thing happened to Chelsea, without the skull scoring, um, with Arsenal, you know, they... You know, clammed up a little bit And they have shown some defensive frailties Suddenly after being so strong at the back You know, Liverpool You know, we spent a long time Until Liverpool went on this amazing run Since the, uh, you know, since the since the holiday period We spent a lot of time, like, decrying Liverpool Talking about what they were lacking Talking about their lack of defence Talking about the fact that, you know Coutinho was going through a sophomore slump And that and 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 everything wasn't really gelling So... Every team has had this period of weakness, and I think Man City's has come, uh, you know, during squeaky bum time, when it's really sort of coming down to it at the big part of the end of the season. It's whether Man City can just sort of bring it back together. You know, I don't think no team is going to win the remainder of all of their games. It's just not going to happen. Premier League is too... There are too many tough ties. These teams play each other too often. It's going to go... I. I'm... Going to be an octopus right now, Rog. It's going to the last day.
2: Wheels within wheels. We better do a pub takeover for that if it happens. I'd love to do it. My Manchester-born lifelong City supporting mate Johnny Burtas emailed me. He said, "Well, at least now we can concentrate on the quadruple crossed out, beating Barcelona crossed out, winning the league crossed out, settling for a top four spot." That is a proper Manchester City lifelong approach. Champions League, as you said this afternoon. I've got to tell you, after watching Wigan. And also watching Barcelona lose to
0: Valladolid.
2: Mm-hmm. R- I'd rather watch Wigan Athletic play Valladolid in the Champions League than Barca City t- this afternoon. They're good teams, David.
0: Yeah, very good teams. Uh, rog, hate to bring this up. Arsenal 4, Everton, Nigel 1. Mesut Ozil, well I guess we don't have to call them Nigel anymore. We can just call them Everton again, sure, right, Rog. Uh, Meza Ozil gets his groove back. Well, certainly for one game. Uh, Giroux scores a quick brace. Uh, and keeps Arsenal very much in the mix for their first trophy since 2005, Rog. Suddenly, Arsenal fans, didn't you tweet this? It's like the FA Cup is the most important trophy <laughs> and the most historic trophy there has ever been. Season's over, David. Darkness. Give
2: me a reason. Give me a reason to keep watching football. I, I, I may just check out until the Women's you World still Cup still have in a chance of getting into
0: the Europa League, Rog.
2: Oh, well, we'll talk about that at the end. That's what I'm most, David. That is what I am most afraid You're of. not going down. Uh, I felt the gloom long before kick-off, to be truthful. Do you know when Everton last won it in Arsenal? Where? 1995. You You may remember it. The song One Sweet Day by Mariah Carey and Boys to Men was yeah. number one. And uh, my lifelong mate, fellow long-suffering Everton supporter Jamie, called me up before the game. Sage advice. Right before kick-off, he called me up. He goes, just remember, there's always next year. And... Within seven minutes, a counter, a McCarthy slip, a calm-rolled Ozil finish. His first goal in three months, Mesut Ozil. I think Paul Carr of ESPN pointed out his previous goal was December the 8th at home against Everton. Um, and, oh, God, not in this. He only gets out of bed for Nigel, Rog. Uh, you know, Wenger was quick to pronounce his erratic star to be back on track. Physically, he looked regenerated, he said. The truth is, Ozil, I mean, remains, and we saw this against Bayern. Uh, where he ended up limping off injured. He's a terrific player, but the one thing he's being measured on he'll never have, which is consistency. A swashbuckling game commenced, Davo. Did you watch it? Yeah, I did watch it. It It was thrilling that first half, but the difference was Arsenal looked like they were destined to score every time they pushed forward, and Everton seemed content to shuffle the ball around as if it was a deck of cards. And it didn't help that for large spells, Tim Howard's understudy, oh God, I can hardly mention his name, Joel Robles He played like a goalkeeper Who had large
0: sums of money Bet on Arsenal winning Why do you think Martinez played Robles in this game And not Tim Timoney Howard I know obviously Coming back from Cyprus But This is a huge game This is for Everton, it's the FA Cup, the Cup, 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 but it's a huge game. This is the trophy that they could possibly win to go and win at Arsenal. Why would he not play Tim Howard in it's this a, game? It's a, often a confused refrain for football fans when they see
2: in the uh, in these cups and in big, big games, they'll often play a full-strength outfield of 10 and they'll play their substitute goalkeeper. Um, I think Tim had a sense he wasn't playing the week before. He knew when he was in Cyprus he wasn't going to be playing. Um, and I think they do it to keep their second string goalkeeper happy to yeah. give them a something to focus on to give them a challenge that keeps them interested rather yeah, than keep just keep yeah I mean keep them fresh and training and your point you want a second string goalkeeper who's challenging your first string goalkeeper
0: you want to keep them yeah uh, I mean it's your point about Everton ultimately you say that there's, there's I think I think the problem with Everton is not that the squad I don't think it's fatigue because they haven't played enough games for it to be fatigue and they have rotated enough players through they don 't have the same starting eleven every week, but I think the issue is is that not enough of these players are being challenged in training by somebody coming up and challenging their place and I think that 's what you see a lot at um, You know, at the bigger clubs, and I think that's where the squad really, really matters, and you just don't see training, is you just want to feel like there's somebody breathing down your neck. That was so clear, what Jürgen Klinsmann was saying in your interview with him, Roger, South by Southwest, is that he wants a squad where the players, where where the starting 11 are constantly worrying that there's somebody coming else from the squad who's going to go and take their place, and every squad member and player in the starting 11 is worrying that there's another young kid, there's another new player, there's somebody else who's going to take them out. You don't have a divine right to play for your national team or for your club team you've got to earn it by being exceptional on the field yeah i mean
2: there's something for me about this everton club is that the players who have been exceptional this season baines coleman at times dale lefeo morales they all look exactly they all look absolutely knackered right now yeah um and you can have two outfielders misfiring during the game but to have five or six that's really what kills you and we did have brief hope and two gents who are both recovering from dips in form. Ross Barkley, charging run, a curving cross. <laughs> that cross alone put him back in the frame as an England World Cup number 10 saviour. Yeah, I hope he goes. Romelu Lukaku, thank you Chelsea, thank you. But that was really all Everton could muster and the game just ran away from us. Gareth Barrett, who's played so beautifully, you were right Davo. I was wrong on him. But he gave away a soft penalty. So exhausted at this stage in the season, no one yeah, really to replace him. Yep. And of course, that had to be former Goodison idol, Mikel Arteta, who oh. delivered the hammer blow. He had to retake his penalty. He scored twice. He celebrated twice. Watching him, Davo, it was like as if Benedict Arnold and Aldrich Ames had a baby with beautiful, beautiful, beautiful hair. I don't like to use the verb hate, Davo. But. All I say is, at Cave City, you <laughs> law said it's still a bit odd to read a British person making revolutionary raw references about Benedict Arnold. To you, Benedict is a solid bro.
0: Solid <laughs> <laughs> bro. Um, rog, two things. One, uh, you're only sitting eight points behind Arsenal, and uh, even Arsenal are in second. But I think with the games in hand, Man City are going uh, to come and take them, obviously. And you know, it's not over for your Champions League aspirations. And Everton have got to fight to the end. Rog, never, ever. Ever, ever, ever give up. You've just got to keep on going until the end of trying to get that Champions League space. But I think the more important thing, Rog, is that I think Everton are in a better position. This was a different, you've said it's a different. They went a different route to get to the same place The season. Started well, they were right in contention, and then they fell out at the end. Usually Everton, slow starters, and they gradually build momentum through the season. And then they disappoint at the final moment. I think Everton are in a better position right now than they've ever been before. I think Martinez is the right manager at this club. I think they're playing attractive football. I think it's a team where players want to go and play. It's a club where people want to go and like, play for that shirt. And I think some of these loan transfers will become permanent. I don't think it's going to be Lukaku, but I think they're going to make some of these loan transfers permanent. It might be Gareth Barry. But it's a, um, But I think it's a place that players can continue to want to be. I think it's a place where teams are continuing to loan people. And Everton get into the Champions League, which I believe they will in the next two to three years. They'll be in the Champions League. It can transform that club. Well, David... I almost wish, sometimes, I wish that you supported a club, a team, who I could actually not like as much. It's tough not to like and admire what Everton have done this season. what you're saying is making me feel
2: slightly better. You're a very good fluffer. (laughs) Saying not in the face to Arsenal is the most humiliating kind of not in the face. I think the scoreline flattered Arsenal a little bit. Um, But what pains me the most, Davo is we have, when I look back on this season, we've had emotional highs. We've had exquisite team play. We've had wonder goals. We had about seven weeks of hope right before Christmas. But when the music stopped, we have ended up exactly in the same seat as always. Uh, My my mate, Michael Cohen, huge Arsenal supporter, lovely bloke. He he texted me, look on the bright side. I'll have to put his accent on. He's proper frightening. Look on the bright side. You're top of the league of the sad, set teams that have no money at all. Be proud. But there's no solace in that for me. This season has felt like being trapped inside the lyrics of that talking head song Road to Nowhere. And this is where you and I differ. For me, I am praying, and this is hard to, to admit publicly. Praying, praying, praying. We do not qualify for the Europa League, David. It's a tournament in previous pods. I've compared it to catching a nasty case of syphilis after a one-night stand with a supermodel. But qualifying for that tournament, for me, it signals the end of
0: next season, not just this one. Yeah, I don't think so. I think it's a stepping stone. I think it's, it's so fun watching your team play in Europe, wherever... Europe is. Yeah, in, 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 <laughs> in, Genk, in, in cities in c- playing cities and towns that are only normally travelled to by European drug smugglers and arms and dealers. It's a great experience, and for a young guy like Spartac. Ross Barkley a guy you want to hold on to, he needs to have that European experience of playing there. And I think Europa League would be fantastic for him. I can't wait and for Everton to play statement. Sheriff. I really, really can't. <laughs> I think it would make a sense. What, what, what's your nickname? Positive. That's why they call you that, David. No, I like the Europa League. And we won it. Um, so, Rog, uh, the other two games. Hull, whack, Sunderland, Tigers, Tigers, burning bright. And Division One Sheffield United beat Charlton Athletic.
2: Yep, three second-half goals and Hull, Detroit, Tigers, their first FA Cup semi-final in 84 years. Highlight was David Myler's celebration. Remember him last week, David?
0: head mm-hmm.
2: Headbutted. this week. He stormed towards the corner flag, gave it a proper headbutting. Uh, taking the, the piss out of Alan Pardew, who was given a seven-match ban for his headbutt. Um, that and Samuel Eto's celebration, which we'll talk about in a minute, it got me thinking, how would you celebrate a goal right now, David, in this era of... The golden era of goal celebration. No, creative,
0: I, I, I agree with you. You've said this before on the pod. Just no celebration whatsoever. Cantona though, Sunderland, 1996. of course, you're going to put the ball in the back yeah, of the net. Yeah, Why would you not have done that? Google Cantona,
2: 1996, Sunderland. He chips. He just takes the applause belly out head up as if wholly unmoved by his own brilliance but i've been working on one david because you and i still both think a premier league career is. possible we've not written that off for ourselves (laughs) have we so here's what i've been working on i've been working on swallowing a knotted chain of magician's handkerchiefs before the game and then the second i score a wonder goal or maybe just one that dribbles over the line off my shin I proceed to pull out a six foot link of brightly colored hankies out of my throat in very
0: theatrical fashion. I know your kids play soccer. My kids are both playing soccer right now and they both have unique uh, ways of celebrating their goals. JJ, who's really showing after having not played soccer at all, nine years old, has really got into it. And, uh, she still celebrates and she scores multiple goals, but she still celebrates as though she is so surprised she just put the ball in the back of the net. She just celebrates with shock. She literally looks around, looks at her teammates, like, opens her eyes, looks at me, and is just like, in- incredibly surprised that the play ended with her putting the ball in the back like of the net. Like Falcao in
2: 1982
0: against Italy, Brazil, those veins bulging out of his arms. Three-year-old George is, is, is an interesting goal celebration. This is one I've never seen before is that he's deeply left-footed. He does everything for him. is like maneuvering the ball onto his left foot. Sticks the ball in the back of the net. And what does he then do? He goes and kicks the ball again in the back of the net. And then, you know what he does? He goes and kicks it again in the back of the net. He (laughs) wants that ball to know it's in the back of the net and it's not coming out. That's fine. He's sending a message. EA Sports. Put that one in there.
2: By the way, bad news for Josie continues. Couldn't work his way into the 18 for a squad. Uh, that ultimately recorded just one limp shot on goal. Rumours of an injury surfaced very late. But since February the 15th, Josie Altador has seen 45 minutes of action for Sunderland uh, in the game against Arsenal, where he was subbed off at half-time. Aaron Johansson scored two beautiful goals in Holland. And there's got to be a moment where Jürgen Klinsmann has a
0: very, very tough World Cup decision to make. Well, number one, he's going to be fresh for the World Cup. Uh, and I don't think there are that many strikers of sort of, you know, out of door. He's he's not going to be left out of the squad. No, no, no. We're talking no about the way. first team. Yeah. We're talking about uh, the starting line. He's, he's going to go... Uh, scored so many goals in qualification, but um, I think a lot of MLS teams now thinking, oh, Josie Altidore, we might be bringing him back, and uh, and and you know, he'll let's get him back,
2: let's MLS. repatriate, let's get those body snatchers going down. So um, talking, small play, small, Wigan, talking about small teams, Dave, o, massive yeah. weekend for Sheffield United, Fantastic. first third tier team to reach the semi final stage in 13 years, managed by Nigel Clough, yeah. son of right. Brian Clough yeah the English football managing legend who's like a mix of Steve Spurrier Bobby Knight and Woody Hayes he once said oh yes Frank Sinatra he met me once you know they are a wonderful team if you're in if you're neutral looking for a team to cheer for 100% blade
0: uh, I love them they, Sheffield also this is a sleeping giant of football it's an amazing soccer city Sheffield United and Sheffield Wednesday two teams with great history it's a big city um, you know well known it's steel industry legendary um you got to think that somebody, some American, if there are a few billionaires or millionaires, or sort of 10, 100 millionaires out there, you could probably make a very, very wise investment and put money into Sheffield. They still have big crowds. They have a great ground. Passionate. Premier League quality ground. They should be in the Premier League, Roger. One of my favourite chants
2: that the Sheffield United fans do that kind of captures up the hard scrabble nature of the northeast of England, the greasy Chip Butty song. Yeah. sung to the tune of Annie's song by john denver god rest <laughs> his soul they will probably be mortified to see his lyrics you fill up my senses like a gallon of magnet it's a local bitter like a packet of woodbines like a good that's cigarettes like a good pinch of snuff like a night out in sheffield like a greasy chip butty like sheffield united come
0: fill me again is that? a chip butty is a it, it's a sandwich made of french fries so you take your chips you take your french fries and you put them in the middle of your white bread sandwich when i first went up north i'd heard the expression chip butty and i went up north on my cheshire exchange yeah where the sky was to a foreign closer country to foreign, a foreign country, country where the sky was closer to the ground and what did we have for dinner night one chip butty yep yep welcome
2: friend and by the way cheshire is probably the closest to the south we have in the north. It's where they still like ride horses and a very kind of
0: downtown Abbey-esque. You don't know the half of it, David. You, <laughs> you <laughs> wasn't, don't. wasn't like south-east London. Um, okay, Rog. Uh, so uh, Arsenal play Wigan. Sheffield play Hull. Ties those FA Cup semi-finals uh, played on the weekend of 12th, 13th April at Wembley. Rog. Yeah. All the teams. Massive day for those for Sheffield. Massive day
2: for Hull. Massive day again for Wigan fans, and it's going to be very interesting for Arsenal there. Their fans, I think, can already taste the silverware, which may mean that they are pregnant.
0: Meanwhile, back in the Premier League, Roger, and I watched this game in Austin. Fantastic pub, Fado. Uh, it's on 4th Street. Um, uh, down in uh, Austin Fantastic place to watch football if you're down there Chelsea 4 Tottenham nil. Uh, Chelsea make the fatal mistake Of move, moving 7 points clear At the top of the table 9 points ahead of Man City uh, 3 games in hand Thanks to poor defending from a You know at times Comedically sloppy slash Unfortunate slash Hilarious naive. <laughs> Hilarious Brilliant comedy comedy timing uh, from Tottenham. Uh, once again, a scoreline that flattered, no doubt about it, Rog. scorelines often do flatter. But the point of football, Rog, is to put the ball in your <laughs> opponent's net and not to have it go in your own net. And however that happens, however you put it in an opponent's net and however you stop it from going in your own net, the teams that figure that out tend to win football matches. Well, let's talk about those goals,
2: David. Because to me, <laughs> this game in the second half was a... I would say a masterpiece of well, slapstick we, physical comedy on We should on say part. that
0: you didn't see the game until Sunday evening because you'd been travelling to Austin. And so your first, I had to basically orally report the game to you over <laughs> barbecue at Sunday lunchtime. And it took me about 15 minutes to explain the first goal. I,
2: I watched it so many times, David. <laughs> I could, I, the, the, the slip by Vertonghen, I kept rewinding it and watching it in slow motion. It was so intricate that it wasn't one mistake. Yeah. It was a series of unbelievable calamity. The flick back. He stepped over the ball, he fell over, and then he still found time to do a foot sweep to deposit the ball at the feet of the charging eto Yeah. With a defence-splitting pass, David. That was what was so brilliant. It was way, well,
0: but because defence-splitting, because Kabul was doing up his shoelace at the point that the Tongan had fallen over and tripped over the ball and then passed it back. Brilliant pass. I mean, weighted. I mean, how could you weight a pass more perfectly into the path of the punisher Samuel Lato, the greatest exploiter of defensive and goalkeeping mistakes in the history of the Premier League.
2: I mean, I'd say he's not a striker. He doesn't score good goals. He is the punisher. Samuel went. he's a vigilante who employs murder, kidnapping, extortion, coercion, threats of violence in his one-man... He's a seeker. One-man like war on defensive He's going the golden sniffle. Or he's like, it's he's like Matt Damon, Ben Affleck in Dogma, Fallen <laughs> Angel who wants to punish people to get back into heaven. The, the Vertonghen thing, they set the tone, though. It was, yeah. it was just like... This was slapstick physical comedy on par with Tommy Boy or Duck Soup in my book. Three minutes later, more Eto'o falling over in the wake of Kabul's back He's an old man. He's an old man.
0: He is an old man. You touch the back of his ankle, he's 74 years old. He's going down. More slapstick comedy. That
2: celebration triggering that triple jeopardy for Kabul. The penalty, the red card, the realisation he's still under contract for Spurs. (laughs) The commentator goes, massive three minutes in Chelsea and Spurs season. But there was more to come. Sandro tumbled as if the field had become a magnet and his cleats were made of neodymium. Um, I mean, the fourth, it was hard to tell which of these goals was my comedy favourite, Hugo LL Loris. He had that disgusted face on him that can only be described as a come-and-get-me PSG face. That fourth goal, unbelievable. Spurs would probably have been better off in this game, very if they played a backline of Jim
0: Kerry, Carol Burnett and two of the three Stooges. But look, here's the reality. Tottenham played very well in the first half. But the reality, the game was lost at the end of the first half. If you go to Stamford Bridge and you have that level of possession, and frankly, it was possession that was not very threatening, but it was possession. If you don't score against Chelsea at the bridge, you are not going to beat them and you are rarely going to draw, you have to score against them when you get an opportunity.
2: Yep. And they, once Oscar came on for Lampard, and Chelsea were able to force their way further and further up the pitch. They absolutely battered them. After yep. the game, Tim Sherwood bemoaned a lack of characters, called the game a capitulation. Um, He said, too many of them are too nice to each other. You need to show a bit more gut. They have to drag it out of each other, and it hurts me. I did enjoy. Did you see Mourinho's handshake with Tim Sherwood? Yeah, well, he had his
0: hands in his pockets. I don't know why Mourinho was leaving early. That seemed a little confusing. He's brilliant. Well, he knows the cameras are on him. He is. uh, It was a sneaky early handshake.
2: A perplexed Tim Sherwood. I mean, uh, Mourinho slipped his hand. Into Sherwood's with a mix of derision and contempt. I've watched it many times. Sherwood had no idea what it was. He had the astonished look of a man who suddenly felt a ferret nibbling (laughs) on his palm in a darkened room. It made for great television. But Mourinho Devo, he's a master for me of appreciating the telegenic. And we've got to get to it. After the game, he said, I would like to be in their city's position. They have their destiny in their hands. Yes, Jose? I believe that about as much as if Charlie Rose suddenly exclaimed, it sucks to be me. It David. would be
0: better if they were bottom of the league, having got zero points from their first uh, seven games, Rog, and then have all of those games in hand, win all of them, and go and and, and go and be top right now. It's a... Um, yeah, it's confusing. Look, I think what he's protecting against is... And it's always Mourinho. He draws the attention on himself to take the pressure off his own players. And, of course, I was assaulted by tweets right after the game, which is like, oh, Devo, if Chelsea don't win it now, it's going to be the worst collapse in the history of the Premier League. It's, it's not. Chelsea could, could win all of their games and not win the Premier League if Man City win all of their games. Both scenarios, by the way, uh, seem unlikely to me. Um, but I think it would be fair enough that a reasonable Mourinho would say, look, we're in a great position. I'm very, very happy to be top. Games in hand means a lot. But look, the reality is, is that we can't take it too much for granted because Man City have these games in hand and if they win them, uh, they'll be top of the league. Yeah, but, but it, he's it, not, it, it's comedic, that's not the way it? he's going to, that's not the way he's ever going to answer the question. And it's not question.
2: just him. He's got all of his players as if it's a political campaign or message. John Terry, Manchester City are the stronger side. Denver Bar, we don't have our destiny in our own hands. Oh my God, big mistake. Chelsea are exactly where they don't
0: want to be, Dave o. Top. This late in the season. Yeah, what John Terry should be saying is why on earth is Roy Hodgson going to take Stephen Corker to the World Cup instead of me?
2: Look at the run-in. You don't want me to answer
0: that question, David. You really Oh, you're don't. going to say because Stephen Corker Look at it, the goals. run-in. Chelsea, seven... No out- other nation in the world would not be taking John Terry to the World Cup. <laughs> We're going to be the laughing stock of the world.
2: Games in the run-in against teams currently in the bottom half of the Premier League. Chelsea, seven out of nine of theirs. Liverpool, four out of ten of theirs. Arsenal, four out of ten. Manchester City, six out of 12 i just admire jose Mourinho for keeping a straight face while trying to make the case that a bird in the bush is worth two in the hand we're very little horse rog we're smaller than a feral donkey you know by the way i did some research on feral donkeys in cyprus yeah there's a horse called a falabella it's eight hands 78 centimeters tall Mm -hmm. they're so tiny they can be trained to be guide dogs and they're so rare they cost six thousand dollars each i think that's the little horse he was referring to frank sinatra wayne newton Nelson Rockefeller and Aga Carnal collected them, David. Chelsea are a fallabella. Talking about what teams are, we did some research. Also, we found out what Hotspur was on our Sirius show, David. Well, it was named after Sir Harry Hotspur, right? Sir, yep, his real name was Sir Henry Percy, but he was very angry, and they called him Hotspur. He was a 14th-century peer. He uh, reputedly owned all the area around which Tottenham play in. Listen to this life, David. Mm-hmm. Knighted age 12. Yeah. Fought in the Siege of Berwick, age 14 too early can you imagine fighting in a war age 14 well, but he was a knight he, he and his family helped take down king richard ii replaced him with henry iv but then his family fell on the dark side yeah over payments for uh, the defending the scottish border you've got to pay to defend yeah. the, scottish the scottish border doesn't mistake. defend itself rookie mistake um and he after he was killed in the battle of shrewsbury yeah he was beheaded yeah caught he was age 37 in 1403 beheaded yeah, yeah. courted Displayed across the country. Yeah. Four pieces of his head were sent to London. Yeah. Newcastle. It's quite a world tour this. Bristol yeah. and Chester. And his head stayed on a pole at York's gate until his body was sent back to his widow. That is a life, David. Wow. I always thought I wanted to die in my sleep, but I'm gonna i I'm gonna change that. <laughs> that, that would be
0: hung drawn and caught. That it. is
2: how I'd like to die, David.
0: Yeah. Oh, <sighs> hard work. <laughs> By the way, not <laughs> Not unlike Tottenham's season. I
2: was going to say you understand Tottenham a lot more, yeah, when, you a lot more story. when you
0: hear that story. Uh, in other Premier League news, uh, Rod West Bromwich Albion nil, Manchester United three. United <laughs> take some of the pressure off uh, Moisey with a win against the 17th place team, despite an avant-garde performance from RVP that looked suspiciously like phoning it in. Yeah, a bit of a rog- disappointing game. Yeah, Roger, I would say the other reason for you to still feel that the season is not over for Nigel Uh. is you want to finish above Man United. You want to beat David Moyes. You you know you do. You know you do. I can see the look on your face. You want it. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess I don't just want that, Dave.
2: I don't just want to finish above him. I want more, probably more humiliation. I mean, this season, you tune into your United game to watch them <laughs> stumble be, and
0: bumble. You won't be happy until a quarter of his body's in Bristol, a quarter's <laughs> in Chester, a quarter's in Newcastle, and a quarter's in London. Seeing United
2: dispatch somebody so effortlessly, it felt very out of place to make this season. It was like watching a serious episode of Different Strokes when they deal with the issue of molestation. Or mm-hmm. well, that Fresh Prince episode where Will's dad comes and visits and... Leaves quickly and Will ends up sobbing. How come he don't want me? Boom patterns. So it was a bit, you know, it didn't feel like watching United. Moyes savoured his new centre-back pairing, Phil Jones, Chris Smalling. Once again, he announces team have turned the corner, which is the story of United season. If you turn three corners, you end up right back
0: where you started. Um, I love the, the nice... It's one of those Escher drawings where you just turn a, turn, a turn a corner and 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 then you end up turning the corner and you're right back at the beginning again. Oh,
2: that would be Manchester United's season video in the club store, the, the MC Escher season. Um, United fans still got a great sense of humour when their team went 1-0 one, one nil up. They chanted, we're going to win the league. Our VP, Davo, how did he not get sent off? What is going on there? He is turning into Michael Keaton to me. He is Michael. One minute you're in Beetlejuice
0: and Batman. The next minute, he's ketting. Yeah, tough to know. I think Man United still have something uh, to play for this season. They've got that pride. I think if they finish strong, they could finish up there. I don't think they're going to make the Champions League. They'll be knocking on the door. I think they'd be happy to go into the Europa League. Uh, rog, I know I think they'd passed. rather have midweek free so they can uh, schedule all these very lucrative friendlies. There's a lot of talk met.
2: about that. West Brom muddled at the back, muddled at the front office. Uh, the race to the bottom getting even tighter. Pepe Mel battling um, uh, Felix at Fulham for the most ill-equipped foreign import to the English Premier League, you kind of feel like the team that will go down will be the most dysfunctional organisation in the back office rather than the better footballing squad. Um, one story we neglected to mention last week, and I kind of love it, Dave, I, mm-hmm. Ashley Evans, the 20-year-old United fan who got Moyes out tattooed on his backside. <laughs> He said, People are saying I did it for attention, which is wrong. I did it for one reason, one reason only, and that is because I want Moyes
0: out. So <laughs> you put it on your backside. I love it. Well, people don't see it every day. Oh, just... And it means when he is out, you don't have an embarrassing tattoo or some, it's turned into some <laughs> butterfly it's just, in some area of your body get displayed a lot.
2: That logic, I'm angry. I can't stand it anymore. I yeah. know that leap in logic. I know I'm going to get Moyes out tattooed on my... Like, I don't understand yeah. neck tattoos. I don't fully understand yeah. so neck I've tattoos.
0: I've got free markets tattooed on my ass. I've got Russia.
2: war pig tattooed on my taint. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious.
2: You know what I'd um, love to get? I'd love to get... um
0: W W D D tattooed. on um, What would Davo do? What would Davo do? What on your knuckles. That, yeah. Right on your knuckles. No, very good. Uh, our guest today, <sighs> Rog. He's the author of four novels. Four of them, including the number one New York Times bestseller, The Fault in Our Stars. Unbelievable. We love that book. We love it. Which Time Magazine named the best novel of 2012. It's better also, than that. It's better than that, David. He's also the co-creator with his brother Hank. Of the popular YouTube channels Vlogbrothers and Crash Course Which have been viewed more than 400 million times He's an obsessive FIFA player Inventing his own team, the Swindon Town Poopers. (laughs) But in real life, he's a fan of an even more Bonkers club, Liverpool FC As such, we're betting he can barely Breathe nor sleep right now Welcome back to the pod, Mr John Green
1: How's it going guys, good to talk to you
0: John Green, since you came on the pod A couple of months ago I have seen your
2: book everywhere It's like it's like a share song in Cyprus. It's just. Share <laughs> Va- is vaguely audible all over the island. Your book, everywhere I turn, every airport I go into, you are omnipresent.
1: It's nice to know that I'm so well represented in Cyprus, yeah, but I, I'm wondering are there more copies of The Fault in Our Stars or more feral goats?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, poor. yeah, there could be. We're not sure about the goats. We know the donkeys. If you add the donkeys and the goats, there are probably more more of those. <laughs> We are elated to have you back because since you came on the pod,
2: Liverpool's form. Liverpool's form. You, you last tweeted, you have got a terrific Twitter handle where you just deal with sports. What, which one is it?
1: It's called uh, Sports with John.
2: You, your last tweet was 3-0, Stevie G penalty. Southampton played great. Oh, you're very valiant and lovely there, John. <laughs> um, tough result for them. Oh, stop being so nice. Liverpool a second with 10 to play. I am starting to dream. John Green, what are you dreaming? Can you tell us the content? And what does it feel like when you wake up?
1: <laughs> I told my wife the other day that if uh, if we beat United away, I will start to dream. And she said, you've been saying that you're going to start to dream if you win one more game for eight games. I um, am no, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to dream that uh, Steven Gerrard will not end his career without uh, a Premier League title.
2: Are you dreaming of just like hanging out at a beautiful swimming pool? It's one of those infinity pools that the sea is beautiful there. Martin Skirtle's bringing you a cocktail. Would you like (laughs) one, sir? John Flanagan's on the the lounge. Describe the content of this dream. What exactly are you thinking of? You're not thinking top four, are you, John? You're thinking, let's go all the way.
1: I'm imagining the face on, uh, the the look on our captain's face when he he races the Premier League trophy. And I can't stop imagining it. I know that it's, I know that it's a bad thing to imagine. Like I know that that that, that doesn't go to sleep at night worried about Liverpool. I, I, I know that it's a long shot. I know we're talking maybe two to five percent chance. But oh, wouldn't that be something?
0: Uh, do I, I? I think I do go to bed at night a little worried about Liverpool. You
1: know, aren't you look at their fixes. I mean, you're much more. You're much more worried about City, aren't you?
0: Realistically. Do you know what? I am probably at this stage equally worried about uh, about both teams I mean look the reality of Liverpool as you well know it's the fixtures Man United away this is a big game for them coming up this yeah. weekend Huge. but still to come Tottenham at home uh, Man City at home Chelsea at home final day of yeah. the season Newcastle at home tough away visit I would say probably to West Ham um you know, one of their tougher games, Norwich, who are a little bit ascendant. Although, oh, don't like those green and yellow yeah. fixtures late in the season. In spring, it gets a little Easter-y for me. I don't enjoy it. Um, I would say that if Liverpool manage to win the Premier League with these fixtures coming in, they fully deserve it. But there are going to be points dropped by every single team. Um, yeah. It's definitely going to happen. And Liverpool do not look like they're going to clam up and stop scoring goals. Look, the, I mean, you must, quite apart from the dreaming of them winning, just take me to the enjoyment you must be having watching them play football, John.
1: So oh, it's fun every week. I even remember last season saying, when, when the results weren't, weren't nearly as good, saying, even when we lose, it's much more fun to lose than it used to be. Uh, there, is a, there is a pleasure to the, to the beauty of the passing, uh, to the flow of play that just makes them so fun to watch right now.
2: Yeah, I mean, we didn't seem that long ago that we had John Oliver on the pod and he talked about how he'd lowered his expectations of Liverpool. All he wanted now was just at least five or six minutes where they pass the ball around coherently. I mean, in your tweets, you've nailed kind of the Achilles heel. Every team has one. You you tweeted defense. Our defense looks like when eight-year-olds play and 10 men are running after the ball. But we've got to talk about Luis Suarez. I'm eager to hear you're a man of value, John. Your writing is beautiful. You deal with deep ethical issues. He's been doing... They've been leaking him out because if Luis Suarez didn't have all the baggage, Luis Suarez would be up there right now with Messi, with Ronaldo. But because there's all the baggage, his PR team are leaking him out for a series of interviews, one in France. Uh, They're doing one in uh, England. They're going to do one in America. They want to try and recuperate his image. And he said in the, in the French interview, he said, I think I'm more an angel than a demon. It's very difficult to have this image. I try to avoid interviews because I am shy. John Green, Luis Suarez, nerdfighter or not nerdfighter?
1: Oh, that's difficult. I mean, I would say, I would say deep down nerdfighter. And I think he's shown it this year that he is capable of. You know, being a very generous player. I think he's always actually been a pretty generous teammate, but that he's capable of being, uh, you know, the, the, the good, uh, good guy on, on the pitch that we want him to be. I also think that he gets a, he has gotten a much, much more negative attention than players who have done far worse things, although I understand that I'm very biased and that, like, ultimately he wasn't trying, you know, he's never tried to hurt anyone. Um, and that's what I find really, uh, uh, that's what that's what really bothers me in the game is when when players try to hurt each other or tackle. So when he was biting
0: Ivanovic's shoulder, though, was uh, that, I mean, that, was biting, that a, anyway. trying to taste him? Trying
1: to? Did it look did it look like a, something that was intended to really injure him or or, or or end his career? To me, it was almost like Ivanovic's arm was just there, <laughs> was, uh, you know, half in his mouth you already. Well, there
0: is a biter in every classroom, in every third grade <laughs> class classroom. There's a biter. I love think this is I, like the
2: great self-rationalizing of any football fan. I broadly fan agree, though. We,
0: we, turn these, we love the narrative. We turn these players into heroes and villains. The heroes aren't nearly as heroic as millions and millions and millions of people in everyday life. The villains aren't nearly as villainous as people who do terrible things in our society every single day. And, um, and But it's just a narrative that we love. Uh, and so yeah, we turn these people into that. He's just a viciously competitive human being, and on the field of play, he sometimes loses control. It
2: was a great yeah, interview.
1: He, go, he go, hasn't go, lost control this year. Not uh, he hasn't even once. And I, I agree with you about I agree with you about about villainy and heroes. It, it's like professional wrestling almost. Like we have to create these these stories of who's who is great. You know, England's brave John Terry. Uh,
0: we have to make oh, that's stories. hardly the narrative on him anymore. I love it. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you for taking me back to that era. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's so it's so true i mean the
2: uh there was a 442 interviewed suarez um and they asked him i mean, just hilarious questions they asked him if you and daniel sturridge had to join the army the the sas it's the equivalent like they is it they like the green berets the sas in america yeah they say who'd be a better sas soldier you or daniel sturridge and um suarez thought about it and he said i would be which i found Absolutely hilarious for a man who gets a mild touch on the football field and then falls over in agony. He's one To me, he's one of the last people I'd want to be in a foxhole with. He'd probably use you as a human shield. Um, but I've got to ask you about another gentleman. I'd love your take on him. How are you feeling about Brendan Rodgers right now?
1: Well, you want to talk about heroes and villains? Uh, I think that Brendan Rodgers should actually and literally be fainted. Uh, I think that I think that he is a saint. I think that he is a living saint, and I think that he should be admired as such. And I think that our prayers should go through him. Um, no, I, yeah, I love I love Brendan Rodgers. I love I I love the way that um, that his teams play football, uh, and that was true before he was the manager of Liverpool too. But I just it just makes it so fun to spend those two hours a week uh, with your club when uh, it's just great. I yeah, I'm a huge fan.
0: The new teeth, the new hair, the new girlfriend. Fans? Uh,
1: yeah, I mean,
0: it's <laughs> all <Dolph> saintly. It's all saintly. You don't question his ways, David. I you think know? the other thing, for, for me, the other reason why I think a lot of uh, football fans, certainly English football fans, enjoying what's going on at Liverpool is this is the backbone of the England squad, Rog. It's actually my feeling that England are going to be better than most of us have feared leading into this World Cup. Henderson, a player who I'm sure you wasn't the... Uh, even on your, uh, the first name you wanted uh, to hear starting in the lineup at the beginning of the season. The performance that Brennan Rodgers got out of Henderson had been amazing. Gerard, sterling. The development of this young, brilliant, brilliant player. Flanagan, Flanagan Sturridge, Flanagan's mole, a fantastic player. And, uh, and Daniel Sturridge. Al- Not to say Glenn Johnson rampaging down the right or the left. Al- Luke Partin, uh, a great
2: GFOP, uh, tweeted a question for you. How many LFC jerseys do you own? Whose names are on the back? I guess we're getting to that. Who is your favorite favorite when you watch on a week-to-week basis?
1: Oh, I mean, with Gerard, I grew up... You know, I mean, I, he's the same age as I am almost, and so I've, I've been watching him for a long time, so definitely Stevie G is my favorite player. Um, but I have a signed Stephen Gerrard jersey that I got from, um, from my publisher uh, in the UK when my book came out there. Uh, but I probably have eight, I guess... Eight or nine jerseys going back to like the maybe two thousand
0: three. Okay, what are they? Whose names are on the back?
1: Oh, I mean, almost exclusively Stephen Girard. <laughs> I have
0: a couple. I have a
1: couple with, with my own name on the back because my mom doesn't have a great understanding of football, and she she still kind of thinks that maybe like maybe I'm gonna play, like maybe they're gonna pick me up in a pinch so uh when my mom gets me Christmas presents all, they always have my name
2: on the back I, I would have put you down as a Calo Touré kind of guy the Robert Baratheon of the English <laughs> Premier League I would have thought you'd have him on we let's talk about this game big game massive game back in September Liverpool beat United 1-0 Daniel Sturridge scored way too early but Liverpool held on oh way too early I mean it was hailed as a shock at the time but now, I, mean, I was looking at the Manchester Evening News. They just published a 10 reasons United can beat Liverpool, which is shocking. I mean, how the worm has turned. The, it, the article begins, what's unusual about Sunday is United are trying to put a spoke in Liverpool's title aspirations rather than the other way round." How are you feeling about Sunday?
1: I, you know, I think that we keep forgetting how good Manchester United Far this year, just because they're so much worse than they have been in the past. Uh, this is not like playing Aston Villa. No offense to, to Villa fans. Like this is a good club. This is not a mid-table club. This is a team that's going to be playing, you know, in the Ukraine and Poland next year because they're going to finish sixth or seventh. Um, it gives me great pleasure to say that. <laughs>
2: how how are you I, how are you feeling about the game? Can we get? I mean, you were you your medium is fiction. You can create storylines. Talk to us about the storyline of this game, as you say. It.
1: I feel a little. I feel a little nervous. I think. Um, I think. I think. I think we have an excellent chance to win. I think Old Trafford is still a difficult place to win. I think that uh, that that this is a fixture that Manchester United players uh, get excited about. I think it's a rivalry that matters to them. Um, so I still think it's going to be difficult. I do think. I do think that we'll win. And after we win, I will begin to dream
0: i'm desperately searching through wikipedia trying to find out if a john green has ever played for liverpool football club i'll get back to you i'll be back to the interview in a while at k flieger
2: real john green what exactly is the meaning of life
1: (laughs) here's what i love about football i know that it doesn't mean anything i know that it doesn't have any inherent meaning right uh I know that the results don't matter, that the universe will go on, that, that
0: uh, you know, a people minute. You will... Wait you've got to slow it- down here for me, because I'm not following.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know that people will live and die as they always have, uh, and I know that, that we bring meaning to football, but that's why it's so meaningful to me, and that's why it is kind of at the center of the what I believe is the meaning of life. Like, we choose what we care about. We choose what to pay attention to. Like, we have this extraordinary capability as humans to make that choice. And uh, I am not embarrassed to choose football because, for me, it has all of the best and the worst of, it, of us in it. Um, and, that's that, and and for me, it's like a, a way into thinking about that stuff, in addition to, you know, being really fun way to spend a Saturday. So, that's, uh, so, so the meaning of life, to me, is, is to make that choice as wisely as you can. And in my case, at least, like, that does involve football.
0: What is your favourite moment so far in Liverpool's season, 2013-2014? This season? Yeah.
1: First game, Simon Mignolet, first uh, you know, first game as a Liverpool player, makes that penalty save, and uh, in, the, in, in the dying minutes of the game, and I think to myself, this year is actually going to be different. This is going to be different, and it has
2: been. I've got to ask you, the moments on the pitch, and your dreams. Do the moments on the pitch feel better than your dreams, or your, or your dreams of the future feel better than the, the games you've been watching?
1: Oh, isn't that a great question? I, don't, I mean, I'd be interested to know what you guys, how you guys feel about that. I, you know, there are moments, very few of them in in, in sports, I think, when. The moment lives up to your dream. I think city supporters, when Aguero scores that goal, they, they win the league in the most dramatic fashion possible. Istanbul for us, um, you know, that is a moment that absolutely lived up. I mean, it exceeded my dreams. Um, but there is such a pleasure in dreaming, isn't there? I mean, that's, that's the great gift of Liverpool this season. They've allowed me, they've allowed me to, to at least imagine it.
0: Wouldn't yeah. know, John. I only have nightmares, to be honest. It's <laughs> amazing. You couldn't have dreamt the Istanbul Champions League victory and the man of no. that picture. You couldn't have dreamt it. If, if you'd had the dream, you'd have been like, dreams are ridiculous. Because <laughs> it was better That's than no a true. dream. That's so amazing. So That's what sport ah. can deliver. God, I love sport. I get out of bed for sport and football, Roger. I love it in the
2: face. I love John Green. He's kind of... Uh, I'm not sure I'm going to have to listen back to this interview. I feel like he's undermined my theology because football does have meaning and it is more important than I didn't understand any of that. He's, other other than than that, that he's he's I love that. I love having John Green. He's kind
0: of hinted we're worshipping the false gods, the yeah. old gods, not the new. But the next thing he's going to suggest is when they show pictures in the paper of yeah. footballers driving their cars and they only show one side of the car yeah. to illustrate how lonely and alone and depressed they are. That, that might not actually be true. There might be somebody else sitting in the car with them and they're going off for a really nice lunch or they're going shopping or they're going to see a film or going to do something really fun. If suddenly I can't have that they are desperately lonely, sad, terrible, terrible people, I don't know how I'm going to live my life, Rog. I John, need that narrative. John, we're
2: going to have you back on... When slash if your dreams come true.
1: <laughs> well, thank you, guys. It's always a pleasure to talk to him. I'm such a huge fan of the pod, so thanks.
0: Oh, thanks, John Green. Oh, what a man. What a bloke, David. Dreaming. Daring to dream. Yeah, and does he sound like the kind of guy that would get moised out tattooed on his buttock? Maybe. You never know. You never know. Okay, Rog, Ravens from Karen Murphy in Peoria, Illinois. That's very good you know how it plays in Peoria. If our pod is playing in Peoria... This thing could actually work, Rog. I know I'm sometimes the only thing I'm sometimes negative about is the future of men in blazers. You tend to think we're going, we're going all the way, and I tend. It's actually the place where you are overwhelmingly positive is about men in blazers and the U.S. men's national team, and those are the one things that sometimes I struggle to be as positive about. Passion. I know. There's no... You cannot underestimate passion. Okay, from Karen Murphy in Peoria, Illinois. Dear Devo and Rogerio, so much money rides on the Premier League, but so many games seem to be decided by the triple jeopardy of a penalty, goal, red card, ten men. Wait a minute, is that one, two... That's four. That's quadruple jeopardy. I understand the need to ward off last gasp, crude fouls in the box, but isn't there a fairer way to do this? What a good question. Let's, Let's first of all say that every team has suffered from it. And when your team goes through it, you feel desperate inequity. But you should remember that when another team you're playing against suffers from it as well. So you're saying nonsense to that? I'm saying that every team feels that this shouldn't be allowed at the point that their own team suffers from this. But other times, not. I mean, the reason this was brought in is because it was seen that a foul in which you... You know uh, deny a clear goal scoring opportunity well just a goalkeeper would just start to decapitate strikers when they were all defenders for hacking people down on the way to the area was just a level of cynicism and we saw those fouls happen a lot and then you know outside the area, somebody running clear on goal hacked to bits and it 's a free kick um. Or a yellow cardable offence, not a red card offence. It was just seen as being, it was seen as being, you know, wrong, and that's why this came in. And I think now there's a feeling that, like, oh my God, these are quite slight fouls. Um, yeah, I think the and multi punishments, yeah, I think and multi punishments, which sort of uh, make it very difficult. You could have a sin
2: bin, David, where the player just has to go off for 10 minutes. Still have that kind of the punitive
0: nature of the thing. Give the See, penalty. I, I don't think this is so much about what the penalty is. I think the problem is is that too often this is an individual referee at real-time game speed, sometimes aided by linesmen, most often not, making these decisions which are often marginal. And I think if there were the benefit of review, I think, first of all, we've got to figure out, in football generally, are we getting these massive calls right? And I don't think there's enough trust in referees, especially in the era of slow motion, where television viewers actually have a massive advantage over the referees. Surely in our game, the, fish, the, the, uh, the officials should have an advantage over the spectators. I don't understand why it's, the, why it's balanced the way that it is. I think if we had more confidence in the decisions, we would have less problems with the penalty.
2: And another way of doing it would to be allow the opposition's trainer, instead of give, sending the guy off, the defender, yeah. the opposition's trainer should be allowed to run on Take a leaf out of Nathaniel Hawthorne's book and just in front of the crowd and the television audience just tattoo a scarlet letter on their forehead. I think that would stamp out the uh, professional fouls. By the the way,
0: yesterday in the Champions League, we saw a dive from Robin, which far exceeded anything I've seen in the Premier League this season. Just appalling, appalling stuff. A dive in the penalty area. Clear. Tattoo him. So he should have like a Russian prison tattoo. Diver. Yeah. Diver. Foolish
2: fella. Flopper. Diver. Yeah. Put on his forehead. S- right stamp here. it out. That would stamp it. All this stuff about it should be retroactive, banning, or, or it's stupid. Yeah. Just tattoo them. On the forehead, you'll stamp out that behaviour in a
0: second. Uh, Raven number two from Burgess McClinchy. What a name. You should be playing in midfield for Wigan in Dallas, Texas. (laughs) Dear Rog and Positive, I'm a worried man. Mexico already have their World Cup single out. The team sing, sing with Mexican spinal tap equivalent. Moderato. Voy a ganar. I'll win. The single is already out. The American radio airwaves are barren of a US equivalent. Can you fix this so that the United States can prove itself as a proper football nation oh, what a question David you know I loves me oh you love a world
2: cup You're, single I soccer and song we've talked about this they go hand in hand like kid and play and long before the super bowl shuffle um, there were soccer teams around the world making the act of recording a crude yet catchy single a sporting tradition we do need one in America David I have a huge collection of football vinyl huge collection and my favourites include Rod Stewart and the Scottish world cup squad Oleola 1978 this time we'll get it right. Oh, do you remember that 1982, Davey. What was the chorus? England This world time,
0: More than any other time. This, this time, time we're going to find a, a way, way. Find
2: a way to get away. This time we drew every match nil nil, and we went out in the opening <laughs> round. I was down was the moment in 1980. I fell out. I realised what the truth was about the England football team. 1994. The German yeah. World Cup team far away in America, which they sang with the village people. Watch that video on YouTube. You will see a very Classic different Lindsay. Jürgen Lindsay. Um A New Order, World Emotion, 1990 World Cup. Best, drug, best World Cup song ever. Ever. Drug-loaded, double entendres. They kept making John Barnes rap about getting down to the line. You've got to get down to the line.
0: So I think we should have a competition. That smell of competition coming on, David. Yeah, it's coming on. So uh, well, what we want to do is get our GFOPs to compose a World Cup song for our U.S. soccer team. Here's what we're looking for. You can either write lyrics that
2: fit an original pop tune. Yeah. Or a classic American tune or a show tune. Yeah. Or you can create an original composition, X in any style from bluegrass to
0: hip-hop, whatever you want. I think ultimately so lyrics we, and creativity are the thing. So do we want people just to send us lyrics to... A, so you can enter by sending us lyrics to a song. You could send us... A, 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 an, an mp3 perhaps of your some original of audio recording of your original composition I tell you, you might go as far as to make a YouTube video of yourself
2: whatever you want we will work it out and we are going to record this thing we will record this we will deal with it we will deal with it in a super uber suboptimally professional we're way we're
0: putting together an expert panel this is no form of lottery this is a game of skill we're putting together an expert panel yep it's me, Rog yep jesse kerryn from tan lines yeah it's gonna be big it's and gonna, we're gonna we're basically gonna decide which is the best of these songs yeah no, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna i'm gonna rope in my mate adam anders does all of the music on glee we're gonna have him basically figure this out as well
2: this is scientific so it's still suboptimal but very scientific and we're gonna have some prizes david some oh, beautiful, what a point prizes uh it's
0: uh it's gonna be one of the bumpy pitch uh t-shirts yeah we should say a quick word about those beauties I tell you, we got them today. They're made of a superior form of cotton. You know sometimes if you go into a fancy store like Barney's or Neiman Marcus and they sell T-shirts for hundreds and hundreds of dollars and you think, why on earth are they, they, are they selling them for this much money? You know why, Roger? because they're made out of superior cotton. These bumpy pitch T-shirts, just even if they didn't have that design on the front, which is almost like a Banksian design of me and you. I think it's taken from Premier League download. And uh, fantastic design of me and you in shadow. Don't worry, you don't see our faces, you don't see our guts, you don't see any of the miserable bits. You just see an almost, it's almost a, um, it, it's a sort of a. Uh, we'll put it up it's on that the table. modern art. Looks really, really good, Rog. I mean, we should say. When Davo and I started
2: doing this pod, he said, if this ever gets big, promise me, we'll never do T-shirts. I never wanted to do T-shirts. Because we're blazers, right? Yeah. We do blazers. But I love this T-shirt. So I met Benjamin Hooper, the remarkable bloke from Bumpy Pitch, and I told him that story when he talked about T-shirts. And he said, here's what we'll do. We're going to do the world's most limited edition ever. He said, I'll keep one. You have one. David will have one, and we'll give two to the GFOPs. Look what bumpy pitches on, online. They, make, they are so Devonair, American connoisseurs of football style. We'll pop it up on the Tumblr. Yeah. Uh, ben Hooper wrote, the MIB shirt was about doing something incredibly limited in nature, which I thought was kind of funny. Making a shirt for each of you, then two more to be given away to your listeners. It amuses me, it makes me laugh. Who makes five shirts? They are beautiful. We should also say the grand prize is the world's only Men in Blazers customized Xbox One. What? So what's this? It's hand customized Xbox One, crafted by the geniuses at EA Sports. And I honestly, how many
0: of these are there? There's only one. There's only one. There's only one. <laughs> so <laughs> one. we've got a limited it's edition kind of amazing. one Xbox yeah, One.
2: It's amazing. And we've got, got five bumpy pitch T-shirts. So it's a men in blazers and credit. This is never going to be a business. No, we're going to give them away. Yeah. Um, and we're giving them away. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's a really good business model. <laughs> um, that's why we need the Emporium David. Yeah. So that is it. Send us your songs. The winner gets the world's only customised Men in Blazers
0: Xbox One. Mm-hmm. Oh, I really want that. I might enter. And are we going to send this single to the US men's national team? Are I'm we going to lobby your mate Jürgen Klinsmann to go and... We're going to record it, David. Yeah. It's going to be on the... We may get sure. I may rope sure and it'll be big in Cyprus. You announced, by the way, down at South by Southwest, that you're making a film with the US men's national team and Jürgen Klinsmann. <laughs> yes, I am. Did we not
2: announce that on the pod? Um, we didn't announce that on the pod, but I think at South by Southwest, I think it was very surreal yeah. for American sports fans to see a German... And an Englishman just being very passionate about, about the US, US Men's T- National <laughs> Team. That's a very good point. Is when it was Xbox, EA
0: Sports, Bumpy Pitch, Limited T-Shirts, send us your tunes. Next week, can we talk a little bit about the film, though? I'd like to talk about the film you're making. Yeah. Okay, good. Thank you. Uh, okay, Rog, uh, your weekend looks like this. So where do you send your entries it's to? Gonna like, way, it's going to be like it. being you Liverpool. You send them to MenInBlazers. It's Men going to be Blazers. like being Liverpool. So send things to MenInBlazers at gmail.com, right? Absolutely. That's where you go. Send okay. them to us by Raven. Or, Rave, or by Raven. We're going to record the hell out of this. Put you your think? YouTube videos. <sighs> Ravens struggle with, 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 with discs. Yeah. They don't like the little talons getting to the discs. The megabytes, they get caught in the feathers. Yeah, you might have to put a uh, one of those little flash drives in a canister, and they hold a little <laughs> canister quite nicely. Anyway, uh, Ravens to the crap part of Soho, of course. Okay, your weekend looks like this. Chelsea versus Aston Villa on Saturday, March 15th, 1.30pm Eastern Time on NBC Sports Network. Liverpool versus Man United Sunday, March 16th, 9.30am Eastern Time, NBC Sports Network. Arsenal versus Tottenham. Not the face derby. Oh my god. Sunday March 16th 12 p.m. Eastern time NBC Sports it's Network. My brother's Fantastic birthday. games. And Seattle versus Toronto. Finally they get their MLS season started, Rog on Saturday March 15th. Michael Bradley against Clint Evans. Yeah.
2: And also Mr. Darcy, Brad Evans. I love that guy. That's a no looking skilled work
0: as well. Thank God, Rebecca Alua Is back. She was fantastic on the air last weekend, Roger. Uh, Many ways to connect to us. One is our Amazon Emporium, which helps keep the show going. A tiny piece of what you spend on Amazon when you go through the link on our menandblazers.com button. for items big or small uh comes to us and thank you for doing that because so many of you are and it is keeping it really producer really Alex
2: literally he's got a fresh pair of underpants
0: yeah it, it really helps us uh, in its honors we've birthed a new feature uh Emporium Choices of the Week in which we post what we're reading listening to or using in our everyday lives uh Raj. so what are you putting in the um in the Emporium this week
2: um I am going to honor the passing of the great late Joe McGuinness who died uh, this week and just give a shout out to his beautiful book we've talked about it before The Miracle of Castel Sangre David this probably is my favourite football book of all time up yep, there with Fever Pitch Among the Thugs and Damned United in terms of football narrative mm-hmm. and America moves into a tiny Italian town follows a season in which their uh, I think it's in Abruzzio central Italy their team Castel de Sangrio, uh, plays one magical season in Serie B uh, it's a, t- a city of five, th- five and a half thousand people um, and it's a rollicking, poetic ride. It's very
0: American in the best sense. It's, it's a lot story. It's a bit like football meets Il Postino. Yeah, Yeah, love. I love that book. Very sad uh, that that great writer uh, has passed. It's funny. See, I think of Among the Thugs as a book about violence, not as a football book. But anyway, fantastic book. Uh, rog, you know, you're not quite as literary, but I'm putting in the uh, store this week the Remington PG165 battery-operated adjustable detail trimmer. It's to trim your nose hairs, your ear hairs when you reach a certain age. You know, I'm 48, Rod. You're a younger man than me. But you know, suddenly hair starts sprouting from places you didn't know that hair could actually sprout. Yep. And uh, I, I've, I've struggled to find a decent trimmer. This is the trimmer. It, it's slick. It looks good. You can fit easily in your dop kit when you go away to Austin uh, for the weekend. It's just an excellent one. It's only 9.99. It's a bargain uh at the price you can clear the foliage away from your taint so your yeah. tattoo can be visible i don't to use one it on my tank. i do not recommend using this on your taint Rog. but very good for noses i think, and I think, ears. They, I think remington make a, a special one for that area. <laughs> it's called the adjustable taint trimmer uh but the remington pg-165 battery operated adjustable detail trimmer oh, okay okay new listeners uh to the pod you uh, you would do well to download our best of album. Download it now, new listeners. Yeah. Let's list. hop the comedy charts on iTunes right before Christmas, Rog. Men in Blazers unbuttoned now. That's what I call suboptimal. Uh, as always, uh, you can find us at meninblazers.com. Find us on Twitter, at Rog Bennett, at Men in Blazers, at Embassy Davies. Uh, like us on Facebook. Email us, meninblazers, at gmail.com. Send your ravens to the crap part of Soho. Oh, David, saddest part of my week. Vendor
2: war oh, pig. pig. Boom patterns. Feral donkeys, Harage. Size the day. Is that your analysis? Kung fu fight in America. Love you, Davey. Love you, Sue Raj.
0: Thank you for listening to Grantland. To hear more Grantland shows in your earballs, subscribe to Grantland Sports and Grantland Pop Culture on iTunes. Or go to grantland.com and click on podcasts.